what it's worth. I've known about furries for a long time before this experience, but I'd never seen it in action. I, I, I see the furries at the cons, and I know, I'm always wondering who is in there. That's the first thing I'm wondering. Is it a man? Is it a woman? An introduction to and exploration of the furry fandom. Wait for just one second until yeah, you guys have pulled out. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, we're pulling out right now, so it's, uh, it's a slow process. Digimon! Gotta catch them all, am I right? Today is all about how you catch the cookie monsters with your Tamaga cheese and... Oh yeah, and like the mechanism that makes the fire blow out of his mouth? That's probably four grand, right? What? What do you mean, wrong show and wrong toys? Have you had a party emergency? Got one right now. <laughs> When is the new Animaniacs? Five and a half hours, I got a body <laughs> Are those things all monsters? Aren't they on the same? <gasps> the entire world is upside down. Yeah, you know, bend it to the right here. I guess that's why we have a different set of hosts today. So here are your one fool and one cheese head, Rue and Vaus. Well, thank you, Fire Breath, for that wonderful introduction. I am Rue, GC Lexico, and this is Voss. Hi, it's me, that guy. We're here to spread the good word about the furry fandom. Uh, it's good? Yeah, it's very good. We're going to be knocking on doors, giving people the, the furry... Are life. we giving them free literature, or are you charging for this? I, I think that... I think we should charge. I think that would be beneficial, you know, uh, for our cause. Okay. 10%. Uh, okay. Yeah, that may, that seems fair. <laughs> I'm horrible. I'm a horrible person, but that's okay. We're here to talk about Digimon. Welcome to the digital world. Today, we're going to have a wonderful guest. His name is not my second. Who put that in there? That is uh, uh, someone's. That's the second. I think that was Tugs. From the far reaches of not here land. Speaking of which, where is Tugs today? I just said he's not here. He's not here? He must be in the digital world or something. Well, he got lost. He's just going to have to find someone to help him out of there. Well. I ain't going in. <laughs> well, Tugs couldn't make it today because he had some people from out of town, but we wanted to make sure that we threw an episode together, so it's going to be me and Voss today. Yay! You get to sound, hear more from the sound audio guy than you've heard all year. I came out of my booth. It's scary out here. <laughs> So, Voss, what have you been up to in when you get out of the sound booth and stuff like that? I don't have to go out, but I've got a lovely TV that has been giving me some, some nice TV shows that I've been watching lately. It's The Masked Singer. Uh, the Masked Singer? And who showed you that? I don't know. Some weird fox that likes to invite me and then put weird TV shows on all the time. <laughs> I've introduced you to a lot of weird reality TV shows. Yes. But tell us what The Masked Singer is about. Well, The Masked Singer is, as its name derives, it is other people, Emmy Award winners, actors, sports. They all come on stage and then they sing, but they're all masked and made up. And the only time you will ever hear their voice is when they're singing. Otherwise, they have to remain quiet and all their voices are distorted. So you don't know who they are. So is this like another, um, like, 
American Idol type thing? It's it's like that. It's a contest that they have to get up and then they're judged depending on their performance, their voice, how well they do. Cool. So why do you like it? I just like the the that anonymity of it all. I like the costumes because these mass singers aren't just wearing a plain old mask. They have an entire getup and theme that goes with each one. And they go way on beyond for... I mean, for furries, it's like another day. But for normal people, it's it's pretty interesting to look at. So they have a couple people, like, is it, is it kind of like, I don't know, let's, let's say Rebecca Black. So Rebecca Black goes on this, this show. She puts on a mask and nobody knows that she's the gal that started singing Friday. So it's kind of like an opportunity for her to have a fresh new start. Nobody knows who she is, right? That's right. And all you see is her voice and, or you don't see her voice, but you hear her voice and you see her up on stage dancing around. Glorious 4K voice. So we don't want to go too much into it because me and Voss have like watched this episode. I mean, these, the show and we know like some of the celebrities, but we highly recommend you checking it out. It is, if you like costumes and contests and talent contests, because it's not just the voice. I mean, it's all about your performance, too. So it always reminds me kind of like dance comp at conventions, because you just go around and you get to see their performance, how well they do. So what do you think is like some of your favorite characters there? Uh, um, well, like you say, well, my favorite character is Peacock. Just dazzled blue, feathers everywhere, and a mask. But Peacock has a good voice, but amazing stage presence. See, I'd have to say that my favorite is the rabbit because he comes out with a in a straight jacket and he's twitching and he he totally like is into the character itself. And that's what I love is when they're actually involved in their own character versus just having a mask on and singing. Yeah, yeah, I can see and, that. And I think I think that um, the peacock is totally getting into his character as well. As it's gone on, I think more of them are really embracing their costumes more and more. Yeah, definitely. Uh, what other shows? I mean, is there anything else that you want to talk about with Mass Singer? Any other shows that you've been interested in or anything else you've been up to? Uh, I wouldn't say up to. I, I attempted uh, Anthem when the demo was going out. Oh, that's cool. Did you like it? The gameplay was a lot of fun, but there wasn't much in the way of story. And I'm a little skeptical because it's based off of Frostbite and you know how Andromeda was. So the animations and everything are kind of poor. Oh. (laughs) But the gameplay was a lot of fun. Jumping around jetpacks and blowing everything up was just a ton of fun. Do you think that, there? I mean, there's probably definitely some things that they're going to change because this is just the beta, right? Yeah. What What are some of the things that you feel like absolutely need to change in order for it to be successful? I say it's just more, it needs more story. It needs to get you really involved in, into it because it just kind of tossed you in and then you were in this base. You had no idea why or who or even why you should care. And then they gave you this one and then they... They really emphasize your battle suit, which they call javelins, but they don't really explain anything about it. So you just hop in it and go blow stuff up. 
Well, I have been playing Smash Brothers. Yay! Love Smash Brothers! Woo! Woo! I've been totally getting into the piranha plant. He's pretty chompy and pretty awesome. Oh, you troll. <laughs> it's nice to just like a meteor smash people with those spiky balls and stuff like that. With the balls and the poison and... The poison is really hard to pull off. There is definitely some changes that I think that would be great to make to his character. Like, for example, I think that the side B move, which is the poison that we were talking about, I think that the poison move should be, like, immediate, like, it automatically goes up. You don't have to charge it, but they lower the percentage of the damage because if if somebody just sits in the in the cloud um it does like what 50% damage or something like that yeah like, it it's really high and it, it gives you that like kind of stun thing for you so if the piranha plant jumps in there and starts beating you too you can get up to 100% damage oh wow and then you're just doomed i guess it's not too hard to be able to like you know um get that charged and stuff like that um the other move that's kind of a little bit weird is his down b move where it's where it takes a lot it takes time to like before it will release and he'll come out of the pot and it's his long move or whatever yeah. you know what i'm talking about yeah yeah so anyways that's what i've been up to is playing more smash brothers and getting good with the piranha plant and joining the piranha plant game it's all about isabel it's all about Isabel. Isabel's your favorite? Why is Isabel your favorite? I just love her. I love her cheeky attitude and smiling all the time as death and destruction has rained upon everyone. And that fishing rod is the best. I could sit there and fish all day. So, it's changing subjects. I have a tumor time update. Tumor time! I know. Awesome. It's been a while. I know. It's been a long time. My doctor decided that um, that they wanted to take me completely off of my testosterone that I've been taking. Well, that's good. I mean, that's good, but at the same time, that's that's actually that's bad as well. But they're taking it off because my testosterone now is like way too high, and I also found out that, that the growth hormone is now too high as well. So it's I I think what's just frustrating to me is it's like can't we just like Figure out the perfect, like, hormone treatment for me to be able to be on and just stick to that, <laughs> you know? Well, that's what they're doing. It's trial and error till they find the right thing <sighs> that's just going to work for you. I know, but it's been going on for, like, forever. And we thought that we got something that was correct, and then all of a sudden it's now high again. And I get it. Well, maybe that you're, the tumor is receding maybe. because of all of this. And because it's receding, you're going to... you you're not needing as much, so it's on the downswing. That's possible. But, I mean, my my lovely husky gets to deal with me and all my emotional swings, and he's been doing great to, to help support me, so. I don't know. I get angry texts in the middle of the night. Oh, yeah? Angry texts from, from me or husky? Oh, from your second. Oh. <laughs> what does he say? That his curl is no longer curled, and it's your fault. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm hurt. I'm hurt. Uh, anyways, I think it's that time. Do you think? It's probably that time. I think some drum beats are due.
So it's the cookie time moment. And what what do we have for a fortune today? Let me see. Is Rue ready? Is he totally not? Is I don't he think that I am ready. for time? So it says, you will be successful in love, in bed with a cookie. Isn't that great? A great fortune because Valentine's Day is going to be happening really soon. Probably when you're listening to this episode, Valentine's Day has already happened. So you heard it straight from Rue. Get in bed with some cookies. <laughs> And you will be successful in Valentine's. Hailing frequencies open. Smokescale Aquatus here with another round of news for you. As of Tuesday, April 9th, here are your space headlines. A lot of stuff happened since you last heard from me. Instead of doing a lightning round, I'll just focus on a couple of pretty important things. First up, Vice President Mike Pence issued a challenge for NASA to put humans on the surface of the moon by 2024, five years from now. Avoiding any personal issues involved with that statement, I feel like this is perhaps a little too ambitious. SLS is having difficulty due to delays. There have been talks of putting Exploration Mission 1, an uncrewed flight of Orion around the moon and back, on a commercial rocket. NASA's budget keeps getting bits of it sliced off. And now there's this enormous directive. I'm all for putting people on the moon and doing it for a long-term sustainable presence, like a moon base. The problem is, it feels like the administration is trying to force NASA to do too much with too little. If they want this to succeed, they have to show stronger support. Apollo succeeded because a NASA had tremendous funding. Today, the amount of money the agency gets is a mere shadow of what it once had. If it can be done safely, efficiently, and sustainably, then great. I just worry that the decision is being made by people who don't fully understand the risks. SpaceX is getting ready to launch the second ever flight of their Falcon Heavy, this time with a commercial payload. It's the first time this particular vehicle has flown using Block 5 configurations of all three boosters, and because they've come such a long way improving the vehicle, it means this particular payload is nowhere near the Falcon Heavy's lift capacity, even in reusable mode. The payload in question is the Arabsat 6A, and the standard Falcon 9 Block 5 has put heavier payloads into geotransfer orbit and been recovered. So why is it going to be on the Falcon Heavy? Well, the short of it is, that's what they had contracted to launch on top of way back before the Block 5 came online. As of recording this, the launch had slipped from Sunday to Tuesday to Wednesday the 10th. By the time you hear this, either it will have launched, or it won't have. India recently tested an anti-satellite weapon, a projectile designed to destroy an orbiting target. After it successfully hit the intended object, India declared itself a space power. Unfortunately, this is bad. Really bad. By doing this, the contact created lots of debris, most of which is going to stay in orbit for a long time. And that debris can hit other orbiting objects and create even more debris, which can go on to chain react and create even larger clouds of debris, knock out other satellites in similar orbits, or even threaten the International Space Station. This is called the Kessler Effect, or Kessler Syndrome. It could potentially result in a large enough debris field in orbit such that we can't launch anything again for fear it will be destroyed for years, possibly decades. Yes, the ability to hit a target that high up, moving that fast, is impressive, but it can lead to some really awful consequences. We're busy trying to clean up space junk that's already up there, and then this happens. Come on, India, don't make me mad at you. You've been doing such amazing work in space lately. Boeing has officially announced a delay in the test flight of their CST-100 Starliner vehicle, citing a desire to avoid overworking the teams on the project. I can't say I'm not disappointed, but I completely understand. Better to not burn out your people building and checking a new experimental vehicle rather than have something go wrong. 
This does position SpaceX to be the first to return American astronauts to space from American soil since the shuttle. There's an American flag up on the ISS waiting for someone to come and claim it, and it looks like the crew of Dragon 2, Doug Hurley and Robert Benkin, will have the honor of winning the single most epic game of Capture the Flag in human history. Israel just put the first commercial lunar lander in orbit around the moon. It took a while to get there since it was on a much smaller rocket than is usually seen launching things to the moon, but it's in a stable orbit. Soon, controllers will be ready to make the various maneuvers to position it for landing, then touch down on the surface. It may not feel like a big step, but keep in mind that only government agencies have put anything on the surface of the moon. Never has a commercial company done it before. This is pretty exciting. And that's all for this round. Stay tuned for the next episode of For What It's Worth for more. Until next time, this is Smokescale Aquatus saying keep looking up, space fans. Oh my gosh. I told you it was going to happen. Uh, I didn't think that you were going to do that, though. Oh, it was going to happen. It has to happen. I guess if you're replacing tugs. I am channeling my inner tugs <laughs> so hard. Uh, and welcome back. Here we are. So Here we are. And speaking of other people, there's someone else here. Yes, it's my second. Hello, my second. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you for joining us today. So um, tell us who you are. Well, I am the mystery boyfriend that he's probably talked to you about on the show multiple times. Um, I am Kuagari. I'm a husky, you know, all about the curl. So why did you choose a husky? Interesting story, really, because back when I joined the furry fandom, I think it's been about seven years, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And so I was originally going to do a dragon character that I've had forever, like way back second edition D&D. You know, that's how old I am, how nerdy I am. Um, so I was going to do that, but then for some reason I kind of just changed to a Husky at the last minute when I decided to join the fandom because I've always feel like I've had an affinity for Huskies, some of my favorite animals. So why, why did you decide not to go with the dragon? I don't know. It's a question I've never really been able to answer. Did living with a Husky change your opinion of them? Well, living with that one did. Brett broke all those stereotypes? No, I think he added to them. 
For the listeners that do not know, at one point in time, I lived with Voss, and Voss and Kura also lived with me. So we, we all were one happy family. It was a happening joint, and I have a husky, and he is f- so full of derp, it is ridiculous. He gives huskies a bad name. Yeah. So how derpy is Oaken? I mean, not Oaken. Uh, oh, not Oaken. I'm, I'm sorry. Oh, uh, oh. That was our last guest last episode. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> I meant how derpy is, um, oh my gosh, is, oh, why can't I think of your dog's name? Odin. Odin. Oh my gosh. <laughs> how, how derpy was Odin? Uh, it's derpy enough that he loves you, but he wants no physical contact with you. He wants attention until you try to brush him, and then he's acting like you're torturing him. And he sleeps like he's fallen down a staircase and endured some injuries, but there are none. So yet, you still want to be a husky. Are you sure about that? I see no reason to change. Okay, because they also have stereotypes towards huskies. You know, they have that curl and, you know, stuff like that. I'm well aware of the stereotypes. (laughs) <laughs> How many times have you come in from walkies, ran inside, and then hit your head because you couldn't stop? None. Okay, well, you're not making a very good husky. <laughs> Do you like, um, well, what are some of the things about huskies that you feel that pertain to you? They're just really beautiful animals, and I also love winter. They usually love winter and the snow. They have blue eyes like me. Although sometimes they have different colors on their eyes. So what have you done in the furry fandom? What's kind of your impact that you say that you've given to the the fandom itself? I don't really know. You don't really know? No. Oh, good thing there's not an author in the room. Good thing that we don't have somebody that's written a book. Oh, yeah. I don't know who you're talking about. Must be that other guy. Yeah. Well, we're, we're, we're dropping some hints. I hope yeah. the guests... Wrote, wrote a book a few years ago. Um, still have planned to do more. Just been too busy with work and life. Starting to get into art. I've done several, several pieces. I'm working on one right now for a friend for Valentine's Day. So You also really enjoy role-playing, right? Yeah, I've done my fair share. So, today's topic, we're talking about Digimon! Digimon, Digital Monsters, Digimon Garna Champions. I think I said that right. So, yes, we are going to be talking about Digimon. So, um, if, you were, um, if you were a Digimon, what type of Digimon would you be? If I had a fursona that was Digimon, it would probably be Leomon. He has a special place because, you know, he's brave, courageous, the hero. And they just keep adding adding salt to Leomon fans because he dies in every series that he's in. <gasps> Spoilers. Just kidding. I, I'm sure that by now, like, the series has been out for how long now? About 20 years. So if people don't know that, that that person has died, well, you know what? It's been 20 years. <laughs> yeah, that's a little past. There's, there's a window of spoilers. And what is it, five years? I don't I don't know what the statute nah. of limitations is on usually for spoilers. It, usually it's six months. You want six months. Did you know that Dumbledore died? What? 
yeah, Dumbledore dies. And then, then Darth Vader is actually the father to Luke. Get out. Wow. Just get out. Just this podcast this is spoiler over. Oh, episode. man. And did you know that, that in Sixth Sense that he's actually dead the whole entire time? <laughs> well, you shouldn't make fun of kids that way. So back to you. Um, we kind of got off track there, thanks to my ruishisms. Yeah, let's call it that. <laughs> so, um, so why do you like Digimon? What? Why do you have every single season? You've watched every single season. You you have collected all the movies. You watch them all religiously. What? What brought you into being a fanboy to the Digimon world? Because it felt like it wasn't as kitty as Pokemon. Oh. In, term, in terms of the anime. Yeah, I'm probably going to upset some Pokefers. Not that it's intentional. Um, it's okay. Just poke them. It's okay. Yeah. Th- they'll be fine. Put them in their ball and then they won't fight so much. Yeah, yeah I think it was more, it felt more, it felt more mature, not as kitty. Um, like if you go through and watch the animes, especially the later seasons, they get actually really dark in their story arcs. They get really dark and I haven't watched all the Pokemon anime, so I can't really say, but it seems like Pokemon is just like, oh, okay, here we are, you know, time to get the next badge or whatever. And it doesn't really evolve past that. I mean, I know there are side stories, but. You've never watched the Butterfree episode. Oh my gosh, the Butterfree episode. So sad. And oh my the, God, that was heart-wrenching. The episode where Char- he meets Charmander for the first time and his tail almost goes out. No, I've <gasps> seen that episode. So sad. And, and, and I've seen the band episode The band episode where James has inflatable boobs <laughs> that was in Japan only, so. Well, James is the perfect Pokemon master. I don't mm-hmm. care. That is that is fact. He is pretty good. He's the only Pokemon trainer that has never caught a Pokemon. He's always asked them to join him, and they always say yes. Because James is a master. <laughs> he doesn't have the, the Pokeball. I always felt like when growing... I know we're talking about Pokemon. We should not be talking about Pokemon. But like when I was growing up as a kid, I always felt like... Like the Pokeball, when they go into the Pokeball, it's like they submitted to be that person's master. So it's like the Pokeball is like a like a brainwasher almost. It's like because they're like fighting against it. And it's like, oh, now I'm going to be yours. That's what I always like felt was really different because Pikachu was the only outlier to always remain out of, out of the Pokeball, which is kind of why I liked Digimon more because they weren't stuffed into pokeballs they were always just there with your by your well, side yeah the the digimon weren't just it wasn't like pokemon where they were in some ways just treated as like pets or things to battle they had actual bonds with them between the human and the digimon they actually had bonds actual friendships and it just i felt like they kind of had more personality in the than the pokemon because they actually spoke they actually had like thoughts and feelings i mean i know the pokemon do too but hold on pokemon like pikachu spoke in like like the last movie that came out right they redid the first movie and 
you know, Ash Ketchum got hit by the beam of Mew and Mewtwo, and then all of a sudden it's like Pikachu can talk to Ash. <laughs> and mm. and said, did, did, did you see that? We're not going to talk about that. Okay. <laughs> We're so, moving straight past your Pokemon fad back <laughs> to Digimon land. I, I know. I'm just joking. So going, like, this episode itself is all about... Um, Digimon 101. There's some people that don't even know what Digimon is. If they're listening to this episode, they're going to be like, what in the world are we talking about? What is Digimon in the 101, the purest form? What is a Digimon? Well, it goes along with the whole uh, Japanese anime trope of, you know, you have your human people and their monster companions. It shares a lot of similarities with Pokemon, but it also shares a lot of differences. I don't remember my timeline exactly, but I think it started after Pokemon started. Or they were pretty close. So what else can you explain about the digital world? Well, it, it to depends. To somebody that's brand new about. It depends on like the anime series or the story, but it's essentially... It started as a, you know, just a program for digital life forms. Like if you're going by the story of the show, it started as a program for digital life forms that the creators had these monsters and then the monsters learned, grew, evolved. They were essentially computer programs. And like some computer programs can, you know, learn and things like that. It's kind of it's just the manifestation of that tron has taught me well (laughs) so i mean is this like if we're going with you remember the terminator story you know they um maybe i'm going off on a limb here but the terminator story they have like sentient um sentient computer programs that take over the world type thing is this what digimon is do they like take over the world and okay between the two did machines take over the world and this is now there's just digimon roaming around in the real world or is this tron where you get it you got into the simulation that's a little bit of both it just like it just depends on the series there are some series where they're like encroaching on the human world to you know overthrow the humans and then there are some where they're just trying to save their own world so this is like marvel or dc where they like reboot the series all the time and and the story just changes all the time well most of the seasons they have rebooted like you have season one which is you know where it all started about the kids that you know go there go to the digital world, solve all these problems. And then later in that series, the problems come to the human world, you know, and then they push back to save their own world. Season two was a continuation of season one with the kids a couple years older. Those are the only two that have a continuity between the seasons until they released Digimon Adventure Try recently which instead of an anime series is six movies that follows after the second season 
several years later again when the kids are in high school compared to like junior high. And then you have, you know, season three was its own thing, a new set of characters, new set of monsters. Season four, uh, we don't really talk about season four very much. It was pretty bad. It was when the kids like became the Digimon. It, it Season four is pretty terrible. But wouldn't you think that as far as furries that they would love season four? Oh, yeah. It had plenty of transformation in it. It's just season four was just pretty bad. And for just, you know, several several reasons, that being the main one, they just didn't pull it off very well, in my opinion. I mean, maybe there's some people that really enjoy season four. But. And then season five kind of got back to the more classic Digimon. It kind of followed along season one. It reintroduced Agumon. And then after that, it kind of change dynamic a bit you have the the fusion series which i haven't really got into that series too much i have the animes i still need to watch them but it was it was just changing and then they did adventure try which is kind of bringing it back for the 20th anniversary something like that continuing the story of the original series so i think that we have an email Uh, We do have an email, you would be correct, and I am totally ready for this. I believe that it's from Kit. It is indeed, now that it doesn't say that at the topic heading, but I will read it anyway. Hello to the cast of For What It's Worth, and to the guest. It's Kit. I'm so excited that you are doing an episode that focuses on Digimon and how the franchise impacts the furry fandom. I gave the Digimon TV series a chance when I was younger, and I discovered that I loved it. With that said, I've always wanted to create a Digisona or a Digimorph. I would love to make a Sona or a Morph that is a hybrid between two or three different Digimon. However, I struggle with it. My main conflict is that I don't want to appear as unoriginal or as cringeworthy. To be honest, this is a conflict that I have with a lot of different franchises and character creation. From Pokemon to Digimon to My Little Pony and even Care Bears, respectively. With that in mind, my questions for the guests are the following. Number one, what was your process for creating your Digisona or your Digimorph? Well, as we've said so far, you know, I'm... A husky Sona, not a Digimon Sona, but like I said, if I had a Digimon Sona, it would pretty much be Leomon, just because, you know, of his personalities and things like that. So you're an author. Mm-hmm. What what type of, um, well, and you also do a lot of role plays. So what do you usually do to be able to create a character? What's kind of the process that you go through in order to create an original character? Um, Well, you just start with an idea. Start simple. Start with, you know, what you like, what what you feel closest to, you know, whatever speaks to you the most, like in terms of creating a, Digimon persona or even a morph you know find what you've always liked like it could be a character that you've always liked the longest 
So just so that we know, because I know that a lot of our listeners right now are probably really confused. What is the difference between Digisona and Digimorph? And I think that, I think that Voss actually looked this up beforehand because we were trying to figure it out ourselves. We were the noobs that were confused. So give us an explanation between those two. Well, it was a difficult search between searching and finding juvial flowmorphology and <laughs> companies called Digisona, which I had no idea existed, but apparently it does. But the difference between a Digisona and a Digimorph is a Digisona is just the Digimon and then palette swap to whatever your colors and whatever you want are. And Digimorph is more anthropomorphized, more upright, humanoid shape, hands instead of claws. That's the, the, the main difference. Has the traits of both. Yeah. See, so there's another question. Number two, are hybrids welcomed or not as it pertains to Digimon? Well, that's the interesting thing is when you get in the later shows of Digimon, they're all about the hybrids. Like they don't stick with just one evolves into something. They'll be like to reach a new level of power. You have two combined into one. So they are, especially in later seasons, they're all about the hybrids. So it should be perfectly, perfectly acceptable. So I think what Kit's actually asking as well, and, and, I think he's asking, is it okay to take an animal that like a fox or a wolf or different things like that and mix it with a Digimon itself? Well, that'd be perfectly fine. I mean, a lot of the Digimon are already animals anyway. So not, not to get huge on it, but you could always go with the, the big name that's usually around that kind of thing, which is Dragoneer. Dragoneer is like three different Digimon combined into his own Digimorph. And aside from the Fur Affinity stuff, uh, he's pretty well known. I didn't know that. I I didn't know that at all. You're giving me information that I, I didn't even know. Yay, Google. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, he also asked the question in regards to character creation... Did you ever struggle with the idea that you may be unoriginal or cringeworthy? Um, I've always had the idea of characters might be unoriginal. Um, but, you know, if it's what speaks to you, you know, why, why does it matter? I mean, you, you go to conventions and like every convention I go to, there's probably at least three people with a Weregaruberman suit. You know, so it's... I mean, you can make the the suit unique in your own ways, for example. You know, you can have, like, different earrings or, you know, maybe a slightly different outfit. There, There's ways to take an existing character and make it original. Uh, in terms of the cringe factor, I don't know. I've... The only thing I can really think of, so I'm probably bad to answer this question, is the colors that are, like really clashy or the colors that maybe don't make sense. Like, you know how you have characters that you'll have probably two or three colors, two or three main colors. So like if you had like a rainbow colored guru room on that, I don't know, that might be a little cringe. That lime green and bubblegum pink. Yeah. (laughs) Well, 
One thing that you mentioned and and a question that I want to add. Well, actually, you know what? Let's finish the email and then I'll ask my question. Well, it just goes, I'd love to hear your answers as well as any input that the FWIW cast may have. Thank you for your time and thank you for reading this email. I hope that you are all doing well with love and cookies from the digital world, Kit. No, thank you, Kit. And I, I think I agree with that. You mean... I think the same goes goes if you're just creating your uh, your persona. You don't have to be crazy out there to make yourself unique. Yeah, a couple of color changes, a couple of unique features. You just don't need to go crazy with it. But the issue that you guys are talking about is a word called appropriation. So you are saying that it is okay if there's something that you see out there that you like that you can use it as a template to be able to create your character. Absolutely. Is that correct? If, if you're just going through a Digimon, and you're using that template as a Digimon and then altering it to be more you, yeah. Okay. Do you, how do you think that, like, it, this was by Bandai, Bandai right? Um, how do you think the Bandai will would react if they saw a uh, Were-Gurumon suit? walking around i don't know it depends on the person i mean if i was a content creator that you know something became worldwide popularity like that i think it'd be pretty sweet personally that my creation has garnered enough like from the fans that they're willing to create like costumes and stuff of that i think i'd be totally cool with that I think most people would be, they'd just be really cool with that. I mean, you're not seeing a bunch of people getting sued as like crazy because they dress as Mario or Luigi. People love that. Well, yeah, and it's not like they're really making money off of it anyway. So it's not like these companies are losing money. If anything, they're gaining money because it, it, you know, it's like free marketing. It spreads the word of this franchise, this character. Well, I know that, wow, um, uh, Blizzard has their conventions that happen all the time and people, you know, cosplay. Well, that's part of BlizzCon is the costume contest. That's a big part of BlizzCon. Yeah. Unless you're, you're trying to go from a copyright perspective. Well, that's what I was, uh, what I was kind of saying is that it, like that word appropriation is used in, in copyright. And I, I think that a lot of artists have an issue and I was more or less also talking about like when when you're learning how to draw and stuff like that, a lot of people are having a hard time because they'll they'll um, to learn to draw, they'll draw over something else. So they'll do do something called tracing. Yeah. And then they'll change it to be kind of their own. And that's a form of appropriation. And a lot of artists that are out there are absolutely livid that this particular person traced you know there's a difference between yeah. tracing and learning it's okay to trace someone's art when you're learning but you can't take that trace and then, and then call it, it your own and upload it you can you do it, it to practice own. and practice and practice and get good at shapes and the geometry and how things are set up and then you go out and create your own where you don't no longer have to trace and then you can upload that and that's your own. There's there's a difference between using someone else's work and calling it your own and say using that given art or character like a reference sheet and yeah, there's a difference. Okay. I mean, I don't want to go too much into that particular subject because let me tell you, we could do a whole episode on that particular one well, subject. We did one on copyright. We did. 
definitely. And you can go back and listen to it for all of you folks who really want to get back more and learn more about it. But just a brief summarization is as long as you're doing it for yourself, there is no copyright infringement. All right. With that particular note, let's go ahead and take our break. We'll be back. Ah. Hello, and welcome to Get Sight with Dr. Nuka. Have you ever found yourself in this situation? You've got an exam, a big performance review, or maybe a big game coming up, but you're not sure how it's going to go. A lot's riding on this thing, but you're worried how it's going to come out. There's a chance you'll do well, but there's also a chance you could totally blow it. So what do you do? Do you prepare your hardest? Do you study, rehearse, or train until you just can't practice anymore? Or do you find yourself tempted to just say screw it and drink, party, or binge watch your favorite show on Netflix instead? When so much is on the line, why are we often so tempted to just slack and stop trying? Psychologists call this phenomenon self-handicapping, and it's a lot more common than you might think. At first glance, it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense, does it? After all, assuming we want to do well, it's in our best interest to get as much practice as we can, right? Well, yes, but this assumes that the success or failure itself is the only thing we care about. As it turns out, we're also pretty sensitive to blows against our self-esteem. No one likes feeling bad about themselves, and our failures really stick with us. A big opportunity is also a big chance to fail and feel bad about ourselves. But if failure is such a big threat to our self-esteem, why sabotage our chances in the first place? Well, it actually makes a certain amount of sense when you think about it. Let's imagine it this way. You have two courses of action. You can practice your butt off, or you can slack. And there's two possible outcomes. You can succeed, or you can fail. Let's walk through each of these combinations. If we practice our butt off and succeed, well, yeah, we succeeded, but we'll probably attribute that success to our hard work. We succeeded, but it's because we worked so hard. Can we be certain we're gonna succeed next time? Maybe it was just a fluke this time, can we really put in that much effort every time? Are we good or did we just work really hard this time? And what if we practice our butt off and still fail? Oof, this is like the worst case scenario. You tried your hardest and it's still not good enough. Is there any bigger blow to your self-esteem to know that even at your best, you're still gonna fail? Now imagine what happens if you slack. If you slack and succeed, well, this is the best case scenario. Oh man, you're so good that you succeeded even without putting in any effort. Feels great, man. And if you slack and just happen to fail? Well, yeah, of course you failed. You didn't even try. But it doesn't mean you couldn't do it if you did try. In this case, you've actually shielded yourself from the blow to your self-esteem. You've given yourself a convenient excuse for your own failure. It's not that you failed, it's that you didn't try. You could probably succeed if you tried next time. We'll see what happens next time. This effort and outcome matrix nicely summarizes the incentive that we have for self-handicapping. People often sabotage their own efforts to give themselves an out, a way to shield their self-esteem from threats. It ultimately undermines our chances of success, but it does preserve our self-esteem in the face of failure. So what can we do about it? And why do we as furries care in the first place? Well, to answer the latter question first, we should care because studies show that most furries have been to college or currently in college. College students write a lot of exams. But even if you're not in college, 
Most of us do at some point in our lives get put in situations where our skills are tested and where we may or may not succeed. Job interviews, competitions, or any kind of test. And what can be done to reduce self-handicapping? Well, maintaining a healthy sense of perspective helps, as does reminding yourself that you've got self-worth beyond this particular outcome. Yeah, our failures hurt, but there's more to who you are than passing that test or getting that job. Reminding yourself that the people around you will still be there for you and think you're pretty awesome no matter what can go a long way to building the confidence you need to really put yourself out there, to lay it out on the line and to try your hardest. And if all goes well, that extra effort will lead to a better chance of success. You just got to get over that fear of failing first. This has been a quick look into the psychology of self-handicapping. I'm Dr. Nuka. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time on Get Psyched. Welcome back. As you can see, we don't we didn't have an ident this time. Uh oh. Well, that's not good. I think that should be remedied. I know we need help, and how do we remedy remedy that? Is if you guys send idents to us. So what is an ident, Foss? It's an identification telling us the FCC won't hate us. <laughs> so what you can do to send us an ident is you can actually say hi. My name is Ruchisi Lexico, and you're listening to For What It's Worth. Maybe do something more like, hi, my name is Ruchisi Lexico, the most amazing and innocent fox in the whole entire world. And you're listening to For What It's Worth. Warning, truce may be judged by cast. <laughs> uh, so, should we get back into the topic? What have we been talking about, Voss? We've been talking about Digimon and all of their digital adventures with our guest, Kura, who hasn't run away yet, so I think we're doing something right. Yay! You're here, and you're queer, and you're, yeah. All right, well, we're <laughs> used to it, so we're just going to go right to the next email. And 
dear cast of FWIW, spelled exactly like that. I love you. Please continue <laughs> doing that. I know this is super late, but I'm writing in for the Digimon episode. My personal favorite two Digimon growing up were Gabumon and Gamamon. Gabumon because he looked cool and Gamomon because he was funny. And while I always loved Pokemon, I feel like the Digimon show, not that I liked the Pokemon show. Also, I'm weird because one of my favorite seasons in Digimon Frontier, the one where the kids turn into the Digimon. Oh, that's rough. Because <laughs> we just said that that's the worst one. <laughs> that was my own opinion. That wasn't everybody's opinion. Okay, well, we still love you, even if the guest has differing opinions. You just offended one of my listeners. I don't think that you're going to be coming on anymore. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Way to go. <laughs> and apparently a lot of people don't like that one. Well, yep. There you go. Which I don't get why. The characters were great and the theme song kicked ass. I always thought it'd be cool to be a Digimon and I don't think I really question why someone would choose a Digimon for their persona. I also know that the fandom as a whole has their favorites. I also think that Digimon, along with Pokemon, is what made me start drawing. I'd always draw my favorites and I'd mix Pokemon characters along with Digimon. So I'd say that the show is kind of one of those things that set me along the path of becoming a furry. Even when I had no idea what furries were. Looking forward to the next episode, Moss. Alright, now that we've gotten the, I guess, hate speech out of the way. I can, I can see why most people, there are a lot of fun shows and wanted to be a part of them. And I can also see why you would like it, because like what we said earlier, the transforming into your fursona. I think a lot of furries that are into, like, if, if you love werewolves and different, I, I know a lot of furries that have gotten involved in the fandom because of transformation of some sort. And you know how much Rue loves his transformation Especially the tails bursting out of the pants. Mm, yeah, yes. Mm. So Just pop, they go. <laughs> what was that? You and the tail bursting out of pants. <sighs> so, um, go ahead, guest. What do you think about, what do you want to respond to, the, to our listener towards that email? Well, I can definitely say that I share, you know, the same favorites. Get... Uh, Gabumon and Gomamon because he's always sassy and funny and I think it's interesting because Gomamon is a good foil to Joe who's always he's like the really big you know straight A preppy student you know pressures of school pressures of conformity and so his his partner is a good foil to his character so they balance each other out in that regards and you know Gabumon is really popular because you know he'll you know he starts at his rookie form and then you know he goes into you know a feral wolf and then he goes into a werewolf which you know big for a lot of furries so I can I can see why he would be a favorite because both of those are some of my favorites too so going through this uh, Moss says that they draw started. This started them to get to draw. Did you have anything similar to that where you just had a favorite show, so you'd like to start drawing with it? Uh, back in the day, I kind of first started doing art with Digimon as well. 
you know, it was back when, you know, I just had a really basic tablet, really basic program, really basic knowledge of art. And that's actually what I want to do is I have a personal art project planned where I drew my Husky as if he was a Digimon at the various levels. And I'm, that's something I'm going to revisit and redo just as a kind of comparison to see how, you know, my art used to be 10 years ago or whatever it was to compare it to my art now. So what was the, the, this art piece that you did, what was the Digimon base that you used? Just my Husky. So it was just your Husky? Yeah, just, just if Kura was a Digimon, what would he look like at the various stages? That's pretty much what it was. So as he evolves. Yeah. So what was kind of the evolution of your, your husky? Was it just from, a, a, you know, a feral to a walking upright? Kind of like that, that the monkey to the man thing. I don't know what that's called. The evolution of man or yeah, whatever? Yeah, that's just the evolution of man. Okay. Yeah. Well, it, it started out like most Digimon. You have, you have the baby one or they're the in training which are like the really simple the really cute the little ball thing just little round with a little horn on it yeah and then you know his rookie form would kind of just be like you know husky puppy feral um champion form would just be kind of kura as he is maybe looking a little more fancier and then i never i never did the last two forms on the art the so, last time. So what is the forms? Go through all the different forms. Did they take influence from any particular Digimon or was this totally independent? Oh, well, my, the art I did, it was taking just from, you know, the Digimon mentality is, you know, you have the egg, they hatch into, you know, in training form, which are like the smallest ones, the cutest one, usually just kind of bouncy ball shape. And then as you, you know, rookie is like your basic form, you know, the champion is essentially each one gets bigger and and more complex, gets bigger, more complex and more angry anime eyes. But I guess what I'm, I'm saying is, did you draw parts from other Digimon into yours? No. While was, doing these or this was just your own creation. It was my own creation. Yeah. Okay. I this, bet he just got beefier and beefier as he got involved. No. <laughs> there was suddenly less and less clothing. <laughs> uh, so um, uh, one thing that I wanted to ask is, what is what is a mega, mega level Digimon? That's like the highest level of power. And there's also within the mega levels, there's like, there can be several different... Mega you know, level? There can be several different mega levels as well. So you're getting mega level and then you're combining Digimon together to get beyond mega level to super mega level. Yeah. They still just call it mega level, but it's, yeah. It's we should call idea. it Super Saiyan level. Something like that. Their hair grows. Just kidding. I think it's supposed to be other parts. <laughs> um, so do you think that people that do have Digisonas... Do they have a, um, like a digi device? Because I, I know that in like 
within Digimon, each of them have kind of like a Digi, Digi device associated with it. How does the Digi device work? And, and do you think that like the people that you've um, associated with that are um, Digi, Digi Sonas, um, like, do they have those um, devices? Do they have a Digi Destin? Is the Digi Destin themselves? Like, I know that's a lot of questions, but just kind of talk a little bit about that. Um, in terms of Digimon Sonas, like having the Digivice or a Tamer, as the humans are called, I'm not really sure because I don't really know any people that have Digimon for Sonas. I, I know one. But I don't think he really does uh, the whole Digivice and Tamer thing. It's just all about being the character. Okay, so he's a strong, independent Digimon. You yes. don't need no Tamer. Yeah. <laughs> Which I know that there's, in the Pokemon world, I know that there's some that are kind of like Pikachu, where it's like, Pikachu's like, F that ball. I don't want it. I'm not going to get into that ball. Well, would you rather just be a Pokemon running around or would you be rather be forced into a ball to fight other Pokemon hey, at someone else's behest? I've heard that those Pokeballs are like like luxury They're places like luxury to be. hotel suites or something. Uh, I don't know exactly lot, how it works. There's so many concepts of what is exactly inside that Pokeball, what they go through. Ah, this brings me up like... Did, so did, did, did you... Did, now that we're done butchering yeah, the name, Digivices, do they have anything similar to that <laughs> then, just for the listeners? Um, well, what the Digivices were is they're a way of connection between the Digimon and their tamers. It's a way of channeling their energy, harnessing their power. And what they do in later episodes is that, like in Adventure Try, which is the newest series for example they could essentially have the digimon go into computers so they had like you know a dedicated server that would kind of act as like their home like their own little bubble within the digital world and so it's it's interesting how it's translated from everything is based on having this device so you would think oh if you lose it well you're screwed but then eventually it got to be like, well, the power was like inside you the whole time. And so apparently they've never heard of the cloud. Yeah. You know, it kind of reminds me that that device, like it's created by bond Bandai, right? Bandai also, didn't they create power Rangers? Mm -hmm. I see more like connections between power Rangers because it was made, Power Rangers was pretty popular during that time as well. Yeah, but Power Rangers came before Digimon. Yeah, it did. But I I see a lot of parallels closer to um, Power Rangers than actually um, Pokemon. You think? I think so. Because if you think about how they, you've talked about how they rebooted the series several different times. Like, I mean, does... All of the um, Power Rangers series like go together. Like no, they're different. They're different from they each have other. the they have the same they have the same premise, but it's like different takes on the same premise. And, and they all have that device in order to be able to have the the power or whatever. Well, yeah, but Pokemon has all of that too. Because then, when you're going your different seasons, your different regions, 
and you're going and changing all of that, but it's the same premise, different things, and you're getting new devices. I don't even remember the new one. It's the Pokemon that is a device. Oh, oh, you're talking about the Pokédex. Well, it's the Pokédex, but then there's a new one, and I can't that's remember. That's a Pokemon that, that is, is a, Pokemon. a Pokedex? That's so weird to And me. it, like, I, I don't know. I stopped paying attention a long time ago. I, I stopped paying attention when, when Pokemon were keys. Like, that was weird to me. Like, keys and, like, cars and stuff like that. I felt like, okay, what are, what are we doing? Are we going to Earthbound now? Like, is Pokemon an, an Earthbound world? <laughs> that's the other thing that I think is better about the Digimon series is like they stick with okay here's an animal here's a they did Digimon of like the four they did Digimon of uh uh the Chinese Zodiac animals they did Digimon of like the cardinal guardians you know north south east and west they they tend to stick to mythological creatures or things like that, rather than just like, oh, okay, here's a soda can. Let's give it eyes and call it a Pokemon, you know? I think that's something I can definitely appreciate from Digimon, is they've stick to their monsters, and they haven't gone super crazy with trying to just create more for the sake of creating more. Yeah, I agree. And that's one thing that Pokemon, I think, did incorrectly, is that they're all about gotta catch them all, right? And yeah, so they're Digi- like... Digimon has never been about, oh, try to get all of them it's about using the ones that you like like all the games it's, it's are the same your, way it's having your bro your your preferred bro yep having your bro i just wish uh, that pokemon would have been more focused on involving the and and they have they have but involving the forms that they currently had some of the original forms plus you know slowly introducing because they have some they had some really cool pokemon during that you know they in the other seasons, they've had some pretty cool Pokemon like Incineroar. I think Incineroar was appropriate, and it's just it just seems like that some of it's bad and some of it's good. But I do agree where you guys are coming from in the fact that Digimon seems to be a little bit more um, coherent when it comes to their characters versus. Although there is that one guy that all of a sudden turns into like an angel human, and that's weird. To you don't me. like Angemon? Angemon's weird. That's weird. Why is he weird? Well, because he's like this cute little puffy wing guy, right? And then he turns into like something else. I don't remember all the things. Some of the evolutions from one form to another. Don't make any sense. Some of them don't make sense, but it's the same. It's the same. Well, I think Pokemon actually does better with their evolutions than Digimon. See, that's where it just depends. I get get the 50-50 because... I always like the fact that when Pokemon evolve, that's their new form, and that that's just what it is. And I got super annoyed with Digimon that every time they digivolved, that it was only a temporary thing. And yeah, that, that, that was bugged that me. was weird to me too. That they... I was like, I like that form so much more. You look so much cooler and badass, and I love it. And I would hug that, and then it's but it's only temporary. So I'm like, oh. And now they're back to well, their well, original rookie well, it's form. About, it's like, you know, not having that much power all the time. You know, there's there's strengths and weaknesses. I don't know. I get that. It was just, it's just a weird thing of mine. So, you know, a couple of Digi, Digisonas. Do they Digivolve themselves? No. No? Not, I don't think not so. Normally? They just, here's the character I am. It's just what it is. 
I mean, I don't see any why why they couldn't. Well, yeah, there's no reason why you couldn't. So if you if you really wanted a Digisona and you wanted to have more leeway, you could create the, the whole like you said with your art that the whole sequence. Yeah, and you could make sequence. that, and you could you know be one at whatever given time. Do Digisonas wear clothing? From what I have seen, yes. And this is just coming from almost all the Digimon like fursuits I've seen are wear Garubermon and it's just part of the character. He you know, he looks badass himself, but you also, you know, you have the 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 torn jeans, the brass knuckles, the you know, the the spike knee pads, the whole outfit is part of the badass look. And so you just take that character, take his outfit away. It's like, oh, yay, it's it's a werewolf with blue stripes, you know? Yeah, but, but what happens when it gets dirty and he's going to have to throw his clothes in the wash? Does he have another set of outfit? I don't know. It's like any other any other cartoon. They're always wearing the same outfit. Okay, so he has, just has a closet of spiked kneecaps. He just has a closet of the same okay. outfit, probably. So, I think that we're almost near the end of this particular topic. Um, what What is one thing that you'd like to tell everybody about Digimon? Uh, us, your unknown people who are completely blank on it, or even veterans. If you're not into this series, I would definitely give the anime and the games a shot. Because unlike the Pokemon games where they're all about, um, you know, collecting and getting your badges, the Digimon games, they've been, they've got fighting games. Most of them are RPGs. Some of them are kind of like Tamagotchi games in the sense where, you know, you can raise them, you can feed them, you have to care for their needs you can train them. They have different genres, whereas like Pokemon, it's like you've played one of them. You've pretty much played all of them. They're all the same in most regards. But the anime is good. The games are good. And it's just a there's a lot of lore there and a lot of uni- a lot of universe to explore. And each series has its own story. I kind of like how... Um, I'm going to soapbox for a second, but this is some reason this is one of the reasons why I have never really got into the Pokemon anime is that they always use the same characters every single season it seems like. And just for my opinion, I don't like Ash. I don't like Ash. I hate him. <laughs> but that's just me. He's the worst trainer, isn't he? I told you it's all about James. <laughs> yeah. It's all about James, but I think I think it's because all the seasons feel the same. They're trying to get their badges. They're, you know, you, you always have Ash, you have Misty, you have Brock. And I haven't seen all of them. So they probably have, for most of the seasons, the same characters. But other than, like, the first two seasons of Digimon and the Adventure Tri-series of movies, each season has been unique. Each season has been different, different stories. And in in seasons, they'll have multiple story arcs in one season. Most of them have two story arcs. 
you have like the intro story arc and then you have like, okay, here's the real story arc. And the, the artists and creators, they do a good job. Like the art of the adventure try movies is really, really good. And they finally got rid of the American Digimon song where they just say the same sentence over and over and over and used English versions of the Japanese songs from the series one and series two, which is awesome because I've always loved those songs. So if there's one question that you wish that we would have asked you, what would it be? I don't know. That's, that's a hard question. It could be, what's my favorite series? What's my favorite game? I'll just go, go ahead and answer that. It's, I like them all pretty much for different reasons. They're each good in their own way. And in terms of the games, I like the RPG games more than the, like the farm and the raising games, because those games you could have, you know, you'd get new characters, get new Digimon. And then after so long, like pet raising games, they would like die. And it's like, oh, okay, I guess my game progress is shot for right now because I lost my strongest guy. But, you know. Okay. So you've heard it here. He loves everything except for season four. (laughs) The transformation one. All right. Well, with that, um, we will go ahead and go to our next segment. So we'll be right back. Fifty Sheds of Grey is brought to you by the name of that weekly social that we still don't know what it is. I'm five pages in and they still haven't told us what it is yet. The weekly social. Who the hell knows? Slick roads, high winds, and near zero visibility had sent their SUV careening over a mountain cliff, killing them, as well as a single infant daughter instantly. There's commas in weird places on this. Slick roads, comma, high winds, comma, and near zero visibility had sent their SUV careening over a mountain cliff, comma, killing them, comma, as well as a single infant daughter, comma, instantly. I guess that was the name of their infant daughter. I'm guessing that her name was instantly. But it doesn't matter because they're dead. And it had left three orphans whom those influential families had opted to disown and attempt to rob of their inheritances their mothers had left to them. And there's no part to the rest of that sentence that actually completes it. That... This is fantastic. Property, cash, trust funds, and a multitude of stocks and bonds that totaled into the millions. Also not a sentence. At last rumored count, comma, it was close to 40 million amongst the three cousins, which they did mention earlier that there was a bunch of money. Funds that were frozen and in litigation 10 years after the death of their parents, period. Okay. Let's try for a whole sentence now. Let's see what happens on this one, ladies and gentlemen. If it hadn't been for Rafe Callahan's uncle, Clyde Ramsey, comma, 
So far, so good. The boys wouldn't have had a chance of surviving or fighting for what was theirs, period. We have a sentence, ladies and gentlemen. I can't believe it. We managed to get through an entire, and that was one paragraph, too. One sentence was one paragraph. Let's try and see how badly this could happen. But the same city officials and reigning families who sponsored, comma, pushed for, comma, and fought for the weekend attendance at the socials, oh God, the socials are back, also put just as much energy into ostracizing the Callahan cousins. And the reasons why just simply didn't make sense, period. It's because the Callahan cousins knew the name of the social, I'm sure, and they just still didn't want to tell anybody. Thanks for coming back. They actually stayed till the end? I know, it's just a shocker. I know because Tugs isn't here, you might have got a little bored. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. I, I'm, I'm, I'm wanting Tugs back, you know. I, I love you here, but I think that we need to shove you back into the audio booth where the sass actually belongs because you've been nothing but belligerent to me this whole entire episode. It's overflowing. I need my box. <laughs> Well, I do want to say, and I'm going to say this again, thank you for filling in for Tugs today. I really appreciate it. I get to see light every once in a while, I guess. <laughs> so we're going to get to do a segment that we haven't been able to do for a very long time. What is it? It's how Google transcribed it. Yay! And something that hasn't been done for episode seasons. I don't even know how long. This is why, you guys, that we keep saying... Send us voicemails, send us voicemails, call us, because we get to read how Google transcribed it. So go ahead, give us our transcription from good old Google. All right, Google, let's see how you did. Hi, everybody, this is Ray. I just kind of wanted to throw a message at you real quick. So far, so good. Thanks for listening, as awesome as he tugs at MFF. And I just wanted to thank both See For What It's Worth Telegram group and my other children group that I hang out with and talk to you a lot, which is the Gender versus Freeze. I believe they have a website, genderreversedfreeze.com, <laughs> if you want to look them up. Anyway, it's been a difficult year for me. I realized out of trans about third quarter of 2017, and it's been kind of a lot trying to figure things out, and honestly, I don't know why you do so. I'll lose my friends in, in the furry fandom because everybody's been so amazing and supportive and helpful, and I just want to give everybody a big thank you. So again, this is Ray back soon. So I'm in Chicago area. Thank you also much and the fuzzy. We got a little more going on. Now we have to actually get to what they say that I, I get. It's difficult coming out as trans, especially right now. It is very, very. For sure. 
Yeah, especially Trying when time. especially when um, things have been changing a lot. And we don't talk about politics very often, but we want to let you know that our heart is out for you. And and I'm 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 glad you have a bunch of friends and always welcome to chat with us. Definitely. And this is what we're here for. We're a great community. We'll be very supportive of each other. Any comments from the guest? Oh, just, you know, regardless of how you see yourself as, you know, be who you want to be, you know, that I know it's hard, it, but it doesn't really matter what other people think, you know, you be you. And it's good that you have us friends to help support you. Awesome. Awesome. Is there anything else in the mailbag? No, that's it. That's it. We're, we're pretty low on mail, so please send us stuff to the lovely, lovely mailbag. Um, you just send it to castatforwhatitsworth.com, or you can send an email directly to us, which is rueatforwhatitsworth.com, or you can actually send somebody to the, uh, send an email to the lovely audio guy, and I mean, he'll get it. If um, you really wanted to. You can send it to where? At Voss at ForWhatIt'sWorth.com. So we, it's our next segment where we talk about good old housekeeping or house creeping as Tugs likes to say. House creeping. <laughs> so first of all, we want to thank, um, I want to thank Tugs for not being here today. <laughs> oh, oh. And I also want to thank good old Voss for joining in and um, jumping in the, the hole and filling up the hole. I am that heavy. Thanks for letting everyone know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not self-conscious or nothing. <laughs> uh, thank you, Fire Breath, for, for all that um, he does for us. And also, thanks again to Voss. He's actually going to be trying to edit this episode. So if you like the edit, please let us know. I will put in subliminal messages, and you will go to our Patreon. So speaking of patron. I think it's time for some worship and giving us thanks. Do you have anything? No? Okay. Well, I just wanted to say thank you again for everyone who's taken the time and taken a little bit out of your wallet each month to support this show. It goes a very long way. As someone who has to twist knobs and look at all these audio forever, you are paying for this show and it is going directly to it and it is helping us tenfold. So what did we buy for the, the patron this time around? This time we expanded our uh, audio software so both studios can use it wherever they need to. So I actually have some names here. You want to go ahead and read them? Oh, you, you, you pulled that up. Now I don't have to stall for time no more. Gonna make me butcher people's names. Oh, I hate you. <laughs> this is why I had you read it and not me. This is Arterias Ichisake and Kit or Kit and Cody. Next, we got Rifka and Baldrick, Loki Mutt and Dusky and what? Kachsi. That is way too much next to each other. Let's see, and Guardian Lion. 
And of course, we've got Skylos Snares. Is that Simon or Simone? I don't know what you do when you add that. It's Simone? Okay. Well, I don't know all you people. Though I should. <laughs> and then let's go Hachi and... Was it Ligris? Now that I've butchered all of your names. Oh, man. Now we have no patrons. They have unsubscribed. I'm sorry. I really am. <laughs> So thank you, you guys, for, for donating to our show. Let me tell you, it helps us out so much to keep us running. It, there's a lot of things that are involved with going into a podcast that, that affect financially. I know that we've already said this, but I'm going to reiterate it again. Your support, um, it's, it's what keeps the show running. So thank you so much. All right. Next is pretty much comment on the site. It lets people, it lets us know people listen to it, even if it, even if you have to just you know put a smiley face or just say "Rue smells" on it. Ah, now everybody's gonna do that. They're just gonna go on the site and just say "Rue smells," "Rue smells," and it's just gonna have like this great big huge list. I mean, it will help with the comments. If you do it, do it. Yeah, maybe they could go on to on um, to the iTunes and say "Rue smells" and then give us five stars. Exactly. <laughs> It's a trade-off. You can say whatever you want to Rue as long as you give us five stars. <laughs> uh, so also, um, join us all, out on social media. We have a great Telegram group. Please feel free to, to join us there. Um, you can message at WineRedFox at Telegram, or you could just send us an email at castupforwhatisworth.com, and we will go ahead and add you to that Telegram group. We also have um, our lovely social media. We have Twitter. And Facebook and all those lovely little things that we're a part of. So please join us on there. And lastly, tell a friend. If you tell a friend, then they tell a friend, then two friends, then four friends, then eight friends. And then it just keeps going and going and going. How much of our patron do we spend on marketing? We spend nothing. It is all word of mouth. So whatever you say to people is what gets them brought in. So go, go, listeners, be the missionaries. <laughs> yes, from the start of the episode, you go on, knock on doors and say, hi, I'm here to teach you about for what it's worth, an introduction and inclusion or whatever, inspiration. <laughs> Immer immersion, immersion into the, the furry phantom. Do you not even know your own tagline? You I don't do. even know you your know, own slogan. You know, we changed it. We changed it. It was introduction and immersion into the furry phantom and then we changed it and i've never gotten used to it because i said it so, for so many freaking years but anyways so guest tell us a little bit about yourself how can people reach out to you if they want to talk to you about digimon or how to write a book or different things like that well, I don't, you know, claim to be an expert author or artist or anything, but if people want to just, he's so humble. If people just want to chit chat or anything, you can find me at Kuragari Husky on Telegram. He loves to role play. Go role play. <laughs> Talk about curls, do wag stuff, dogs. All right. So the next episode. What is it, Rue? It's going to be dun 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 poppy furs. Yay! We love those poppy furs. They're so 
important to yeah. our lovely furry community. Yeah, so you're going to get mixed results with that. I know. I know. Definitely. E- either you love them or you hate them. Exactly. So we're going to have you guys send in questions about poppy furs. Why do you like poppy furs? What is your poppy fur that you like? Or why do you not like poppy furs? Why do you feel that poppy furs are cringeworthy? Different things like that. So we're going to go through the pluses and minuses of poppy furs and discuss what a poppy fur is. We have actually done this episode before, so please look at it as soon as possible. I think it's in season three. I'm not 100% sure I should know all the episodes by heart, but I absolutely do not know. No, and it's a little depressing, but hey, that's just you. But that's a pretty broad topic, so I expect lots of emails. And if you want to call us and give us a voicemail, we can do some more Google Transcribe. Aren't those so much fun? I'm not, I'm not saying <laughs> just give us that. Just give us more, a little taste. So that number is actually found on the site. I will grab it for us. I think it's something, something furries. Um, the telephone number is... Four six nine four four furry. It's very simple. And you have three minutes to leave your voicemail. And then we will get it on. We will put it give it to Google and Google will do a very half hearted attempt. All right, well I think that's pretty much it for the mailbag. Let's go ahead and zip that back up. Oh So this has been Rue. This is Voss. And Kura. And this has been For, for What, what it's, it's Worth. worth. Ah, even your number two knows. <laughs> ah. <laughs>